This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, welcome again to High Desert Word Center on Wednesday night. I'm up tonight. You get to hear from, <laughs> you get to hear from me. Um, let's open up with prayer, okay? Father, we just come before you tonight in Jesus' name, Lord, and we thank you so much that we came here tonight to get tanked up on your word, Father. Lord, we came here tonight because we want to grow strong in the Lord and the power of your might. We came here tonight because we want to change from glory to glory and become mature believers, Father. So, Lord, we thank you tonight that we have listening ears. We have a heart that's open to your word. And, Satan, we just tell you you're not going to steal the word that's sown tonight, and we give you thanksgiving, Lord Jesus, for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Well, the title of my sermon tonight is called Anointed to Follow. Say that, Anointed to Follow. Anointed to Follow. Okay, I want to show you some books from the bookstore. They're all Tony Cook books because he is really good at writing about ministry help stuff. He used to be the uh, dean at Rama Bible Training Center where uh, Pastor David Cady went. Uh, gosh, what, 20 some odd years was he the dean there? Long time, long time, yeah, but he writes excellent books, so this is one of them, In Search of Timothy, Discovering and Developing Greatness in Church Staff and Volunteers, Your Place on God's Dream Team, The Making of Champions, and Qualified, Serving God with Integrity and Finishing Your Course with Honor. So those are really good books that I wanted to recommend tonight. Okay, so, all we ever hear about is leaders, 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 right? That's all I ever hear about is leaders. In fact, there's a school across the street from uh, the Walmart, and it has something about leadership on the side of the building. And uh, I went by there one day, and I thought, what about the followers? You know, there has to be, and not everybody can be a leader. It takes good, qualified people to be followers. And so we need to understand and to learn what it, what it is like to be a good follower. Amen. Okay, so the problem is if you aren't called to be a leader, uh, but you're called to be a follower, then the kids that go to that school over there, they're going to get some kind of complex. And my family will laugh at me because I always say, don't give them a complex, you know. A complex is something that you grow up your whole life with and it messes you up, you know what I'm saying? But those kids that go to that school, they're going to say, well, you know, they may think, I'm not a follower. I mean, I'm not a leader. So I must be stupid, I must be dumb, there must be something wrong with me because I'm not a leader. But see, that's that's not a good um, thing to put in front of somebody because the world is full of followers. And we're supposed to be followers, we're not all supposed to be leaders. Um, We need to be happy with what we are. I want to tell you a funny story that Katie told me the other day. Isaac, uh, (laughs) well... We have a lot of grandkids, okay? We have tons of grandkids. So, But Kiana lives in Alaska. That's Annie's daughter, our, our daughter Annie. That's her daughter. And literally, Kiana's a genius, okay? Last summer, I went up there. She was five. She's six this year. So I went up there last year, and I was sitting on the sofa talking to her, and she gave me this, like, college dissertation as I sat there with my mouth hanging open about all the planets, about which planets are this, which planets are that, how far away they are from this, how far away they are from that, who circles what, and why they can't have life on that planet, and blah, 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 blah. And on and on she went. And I looked at her and I thought, good Lord, I knew none of the above. You know what I'm saying? Well, um, so the other day, 
Annie said that, you know, her family went out to dinner and Kiana was there. And so Kiana wanted to talk about, um, and I'll see if I can say this word right, parasalysis. What? It's not paralysis. It's parasalysis. And so I said, what's that? And she said, Nanny said, well, I had to go look it up. Well, you go look it up. I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's kind of gross. But it, it's a medical term. And Annie told me that Kiana's been talking for a whole year about how she wants to be a doctor. And then one day, Annie, uh, uh, Kiana goes to the Christian school up in Alaska, and they went on a little field trip. And so the teacher's in the car, and Kiana's in the car, and this little boy's in the car. And all Kiana wants to talk to this little boy about is the, uh, what do you call the elements that the, the, in the chemistry? Like the what? The periodic table. That's all Kiana wanted to talk to this little boy about was the periodic table. You know, and I'm thinking, praise the Lord. You know, hallelujah. So anyway, Isaac the other day, he must have been tired. So Katie's at home and Isaac's there and he's bawling his eyes out. And she says, what's the matter, Isaac? You know, and he says, I just can't be as smart as Kiana is. I'll never be as smart as Kiana is. You know, and he just went on and on. And, and uh, he said, I don't know all the planets like she does. And he's just going on and on. And then uh, Katie says, well, I bet she doesn't know all the trucks like you do. And he says, she probably does. <laughs> so bottom line is, we're not all called to be geniuses. Let's face it. You know, a lot of us, we just struggle our way through. But that doesn't mean that we're, we just need to be happy with who we are. You know, if you're not called to be a leader, then don't fret over it. Just be a great follower. You understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Get a picture of this. If everybody in the church thought they were supposed to be pastors, and here I am up here tonight, and all the rest of you are up here too, and we all have mics, and we're all talking, and we're all preaching a message, but there's nobody out there hearing it because everybody up here is yakking. See, that wouldn't be cool. It just doesn't work that way. You understand? Okay. So as the church goes, Jesus is the head of the church, correct? Okay, and then he places pastors in position over churches. So Pastor and I are the senior pastors here, but when a push comes to shove, he has the final say. Okay, just so you all know, he has the final say. But believe me, I do put my input in. <laughs> and then, but, but I'm a, you know, we're following Jesus. We do have a pastor. Dr. Barclay's our pastor. You know, we don't get to see him all the time. We see him a couple times a year. You get to see us all the time, which is wonderful because we love seeing you. So that's really cool. But then um, Pastor Dave is uh, the next. He's right under us because he's our associate. But uh, he's our assistant pastor, which means also that he gets to follow. He's assisting. He's following. He's helping. See, Katie's a, Katie's the business administrator. She's doing that in. When Joshua came here from Denver, he was already licensed and ordained. Um, he is also in the Ministry of Helps area. He's the praise and worship leader, but he's in Ministry of Helps. Now, he leads the team, but he doesn't lead the church. See what I'm saying? Um, and he doesn't make any final decisions of the church. He, too, will put in his two cents. <laughs> and, then we have de- and then we have department heads. You know, we have, like, Leah's the head over Children's Church, Desiree's the... Uh, over nursery, Roberts over ushers. We have different department heads, um, but they follow the pastor. 
because the pastor gets the vision from the Lord as to what things are supposed to look like. He has department heads, and they receive from the pastor how this stuff's supposed to go. And yes, they have their input and kind of stuff like that. They're followers as well. But underneath them, they have followers that follow them. So in a way, they're leaders, but they're also followers. You understand where I'm going with this thing? So um, anyway, listen to this statement. This is profound. It takes more faith to be a follower than it does to be a leader. It takes a whole lot of faith on your part to follow than to be a leader. It's the truth. And I always like this this great uh, comment. Um, If you think you're a leader and nobody is following you, you're just out taking a walk. We know this guy. He's a real... uh, (laughs) He's a real pain in the butt. Anyway, but he—he's <laughs> from Indiana, so you don't—you'll never—you'll never see him. But he thinks—he thinks he's a pastor, and he calls himself Pastor So and So. He has no church. He has no congregation. Nobody is following him. I like what Dr. Brockley says at the Holy Spirit conference. He says, "I want all the—I want all the fivefold ministry to come up front, and and somebody besides yourself has to know it." You know what I'm saying? So in other words, you know, sometimes people get 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 in their head. They're supposed to be something. Maybe you are called to be something. You know, Pastor and I knew we were called to ministry. You know, Pastor knew from day one, and when he got saved, he knew he was called to ministry. And uh, I knew I was called to the ministry. So we got married. We got called to ministry together. However, we didn't go out in full-time ministry for like 10 or so years. And we used to get super frustrated because a lot of our friends who were also called to be pastors and, and go into full-time ministry, they, they, they started out and they were in their ministry and there we were still waiting. You know, still waiting, still waiting. So some, maybe some of you are called to, to the fivefold ministry. Who knows? But the thing of it is you have to know it. And uh, it's nice if we know it. And we'll help you to get on that road. But, uh, you know, anyway. I want to talk to you about Joshua. So let's turn to Joshua chapter 1. I'm in the New, Live, uh, New King James Version tonight. So we're going to be, go to Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says this. Now we're talking, about, we're talking about followers, right? We're talking about servants, right? We're talking about ministry of helps. It's kind of all the same thing, okay? So let's just, I just want you to make sure that you understand that. Okay, so Joshua 1 1. After the death of Moses, you all know who Moses was, right? The servant of the Lord. It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses' follower, Moses' servant, Moses' ministry of helps guy. Moses is gone. God speaks to Joshua, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, meeting the Jordan River, you and all this people to the land which I am giving them and the children of Israel. So the, command, the, the commission comes down from the Lord. He's tapped Joshua to replace Moses. So we've got a leader here, okay? But you've also got a bunch of Israelite people. You know, what were there, like 8 million people or something like that? Yeah, there are a whole bunch of people. So this is what happens. Zip down to uh, verse 16. says this. 
So they answered, the people of Israel answered Joshua, saying, All that you have commanded, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord be God be with you as he was with, with Moses. In other words, if the Lord isn't going to be with you, Joshua, we're not going to be with you. We will only be with you, Joshua, if the Lord is with you. Which was a very smart thing to say. And then in verse 18 it says, Whoever rebels against your command, Joshua, and does not heed your words and all that you command him shall be put to death, they said, only if you're strong and you're courageous, Joshua. So they put in front of Joshua this thing. If you're following God, Joshua, hey, we're with you. If you're going to be strong and courageous, Joshua, hey, we're with you. If you're not and you're going to wimp out, bye-bye. Okay? Have any of you ever heard of Jim Jones? Have anybody not heard of Jim Jones? You don't know who I'm talking about. Okay, Jim Jones was a pastor in Indiana, of all places. And he started out really, really good. He started out in Indianapolis. In fact, when we had our church in Indiana, all the Wagners had been water baptized by Jim Jones in Indianapolis. Well, the guy uh, started to give place to the devil and became a nutcase. He threw the Bible on the floor one day and said he was above the Bible. He didn't need the Bible. He didn't need that. Anyway, he ended up taking his followers. You need to be a smart follower, okay? He ended up taking his followers to some foreign land or somewhere. I don't even know where it was. Where was it? Guiana. Okay, he took his followers to Guiana, and they went with him. And... Uh, they even killed a senator. Somebody went over there. They killed a senator and something like that. So anyway, this guy, Jim Jones, he decides that um, somehow or other that all these people are going to follow him in death. So he mixes up all this Kool-Aid. That's where you get the impression, don't, you know, the expression, don't drink the Kool-Aid. You ever heard of that? Okay, that came from that. He poisoned the Kool-Aid, and they all drank it, men, women, boys, and girls, and they all died. So, you know, it's, it's smart to watch out for who you follow. One thing that we, that, you know, we always telling you, when you're in here, read it, this out of your own Bible. You know, I could stand up here and tell you the moon is made of blue cheese, and you would go, oh, yes, it is. You know, you know what I'm saying? You've got to be a smart follower. That's why you need to know what this Bible says for yourself, and that's why you need to bring it to church with you. You know, a lot of people bring their phones and whatever, but you can't write on your phone, but you can write in your Bible. Or you should be able to write in your Bible. You should write in your Bible. If you have a fancy, expensive Bible, go get a Dollar Tree Bible for a dollar and write in it if you're afraid to write in your, your big Bible. Okay. So, anyway, you have to know that what anybody is saying is the truth when they're, when they're preaching the word to you. Okay? So, um, the Lord puts helps ministry in the body of Christ. And we talk about helps ministry a lot. You're either called to the fivefold or you're called to the ministry of helps. There's nothing in between. Okay, you're one or the other. Now, a whole lot of people don't answer the call for ministry of helps. But, you know, that's to their loss. Well, actually to the church's loss because the church can use the giftings and the callings that the Lord has placed within that individual. And if they don't come up front and help with it, you know, with their giftings and callings, then it's really sad. There's a spot that's left vacant because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. So, the Lord puts helps in the body of Christ to help fulfill God's call that he has placed upon the pastor 
of the local church or those who follow, you know, him. Um, The Lord puts the anointing on the pastor that he doesn't put on the sheep. Does that mean that the pastors are better than you? No. It just means that your calling's different. Because the Lord gives the vision for the church to the pastor. You know, a lot of times people will say, well, why don't you have a clothing ministry or why don't you have a, a, a you know, food pantry type thing? Well, number one, God didn't call us to that. But if God called you to that, well, go down to New Life. They do stuff like that all the time in other churches in town. You know, you need to hook up where your heart is with the church that's going to help you fulfill the thing that you want to do. We don't have a clothing ministry here and we don't have a food pantry here. For one thing, um, we're filling up our spots with people. We're, we're jammed for room for children's church as it is. You know, we're just shuffling, trying to shuffle rooms around and all kinds of stuff because we need a children's wing. So you can agree with me that after the parking lot gets done and the buildings get paid off, we're going to build a children's wing because we really need one bad. We've got, we're shuffling kids everywhere because we don't have the room. Um, but, you know, and we're out here in the country. I mean, you know, we're not in the city limits. You know, the people can't walk here like they can like to New Life. People can walk to New Life or they can walk to, you know, some of the other churches that are there. And so they do take care of that need. That's their calling. It's not our calling. You know what our calling is? To equip the saints for, for victorious Christian living. To equip God's people, you, the saints for victorious Christian living. So, so that's what we're doing. Amen. Do you need prayer? Are you okay? Do you need prayer? You're okay? Okay. I just want to make sure that you're okay. Good. Okay. All right. <laughs> Pardon me. Okay. So, the fivefold ministry of the, uh, talk, is talked about in Ephesians chapter 4. Actually, Pastor uh, went over this Sunday. But I'm just going to read it to you again. Ephesians chapter 4. So that you'll understand what the fivefold ministry is. My, my Bible's new, so. Okay. Ephesians 4, verses 9 through 16 says this. Now this, he ascended, and they're talking about Jesus, okay? Jesus ascended after he rose from the dead, right? He ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended, Jesus, is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things that he was called to do. And he himself, Jesus, gave the gifts of the fivefold ministry. Jesus gave some to be apostles. An apostle is somebody that goes around starting churches, turns them over to somebody else. Maybe missionaries could be, could be fit into this group, or sometimes even missionaries are fit into like the evangelistic type group. But apostles are people that start churches. Some to be prophets, some evangelists. Evangelists, the only thing they have on their heart is souls, souls, souls. The best example of an evangelist is Billy Graham. You know, Billy Graham, I mean, there's none like him. Um, and I need, you need to pray for the gift of the evangelist to come forth in this time. Because these are the last days, you know. The, the bottom line is we need to get souls in. And we need to pray for that fivefold gift of evangelists, that ministry gift, to come to the surface so that more people can get born again. And some are called to be pastors and teachers. This is the fivefold. I'm not talking about the ministry of helps. Why did God do that? It says right here in verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, 
for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, meaning mature, a mature Christian, to the fullness of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. You don't want to be a, a, a grown a Christian and be a child, tossed to and fro, because one day you believe this, one day you believe that. You don't know what you believe. Tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine that comes blowing through every once in a while. By the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things unto him who is the head Christ, or the head of the church, from whom the whole body, the body of Christ, joined and knit together by that which every joint supplies. You're a joint. Remember the day I put the boxes on the platform and I said, this represents you? When you don't fulfill your part and I pull the box out and the whole thing falls down because it leaves a gaping hole when you're not doing your part. Continuing, according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying or the building up of itself in love. So you see the distinction. You've got the fivefold ministry. And Pastor and I, Pastor and I, we're pastors and teachers. We both have that gift. Um, we've, we started two churches in Indiana, but I don't call myself an apostle. Uh, don't call myself a prophet. Dr. Barkley's a prophet. Uh, Lester Summerall was an apostle. I have a new a woman friend that's part of Dr. Barclay's network that's from Michigan. She's an apostle. She's a woman apostle. And she started all kinds of churches and pastors a couple of them in, uh, in uh, Michigan. I'm going to bring her in next uh, September for a women's forum conference. So you're going to get to meet her. But we don't have apostles just, you know, I mean, you don't get to see them very often. Um, Dr. Barclay, as I said, he's a prophet. Um, you know, they don't, you know, they're not walking around every corner doing their thing either. And evangelists are those that are, you know, that's all they've got. You know, Brian Bester was here recently. Remember, were you all here when Brian was here? He has that, he has that gift of evangelism. That's all he thinks about. All he talks about is I just got to get these people saved. You know, so that's what that gift is. But then, then, then there's everybody else. There's the followers. There's the ministry of helps people. There's the servants that need to, to help, you know. Like a good, an exact, excellent example was Harvest Fest the other night. Man, that was just one well-oiled machine, wasn't it? Yeah. That was so good. And, you know, um, I had Warfare Prayer, which is my Tuesday morning prayer group, pray for Harvest Fest the whole month. Yeah. We prayed for safety and protection. You know, there's a whole lot of stuff could happen, you know, in an event like this. We prayed for safety and and protection. We prayed for all the funds. I mean, just every week it was something different. We prayed for, for souls. We prayed for salvations. This is the first year we've had them. We had, what, 13? We had 13 people born again at this place. And then Sunday morning, several people that had come to Harvest Fest were here. And this week we're expecting a bunch of them because when people came, they filled out these little forms that says, do you have a church? And if they say yes, that name goes in the trash can. But if it says, I am looking for a church... They're all getting phone calls this week. So Pastor Dave's going to be preaching Sunday morning. In Jesus' name, there'll be a bunch of folks here. First-time folks, which means you all need to be here to greet them, correct? And to love on them. Okay. Have you ever noticed, you know, I talked about how the Lord puts the anointing on the pastor to lead the sheep. 
The Lord does not put the anointing on the sheep to lead the pastor. Now, a whole lot of denominations have got that messed up. They've got the pastor's hands tied. The Lord shows the pastor what to do. And they don't want him to do that. And so they say, no, you can't do that, or they'll try to fire him or whatever, and get rid of him. And that's, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Because the sheep have no clue what the Lord has anointed that church for. And like I said, you know, if you come in here and, you know, you just feel like, hey, man, I'm home. You know, when you come in here, you think, boy, this is, this is my home. This is where I belong. This is the place I want to be. Then you hook up, you know, and then, and then you, you start doing your part. But if you want to be in it like a church that feeds the poor and clothes, you know, go down to New you know, Like I said, go to New Life. They do a great job down there. You know, there's all kinds of churches in town that will fit you. But um, anyway, we're strong on the word here, and we really, really, really like being strong here. So I'm not going to read this, but if you, uh, if you want to write this verse down, 1 Corinthians 12:28 talks about helps. It's right in there. It talks about helps. And then uh, the body of Christ... I'm going to skip this, but write this down. Uh, write this down. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14 through 26 talks about uh, the body of Christ. It talks about, well, if everybody was an eye, you know, well, who's going to hear? You know, I always get this picture of a big eyeball rolling down the street, you know. If <laughs> Everybody thinks, well, I want to be an eye in the body of Christ. But really, they're the foot. They're supposed to, you know, carry things around. You know, you go read that later. It's really cool. But, you know, you have to be the part that you're called to be. You know, are you an eye? Are you an ear? Are you a nose or a mouth or a foot or a hand? Are you, are, or, or are you a heart? Are you a liver? Are you a kidney? You know, parts that we can't see. You know, what part of the body of Christ are you? And, you know, when you think about, like, the church, you think about some people are very visible. I'm visible. You can see me today. Here I am. Uh, you, you see the praise team. You see the greeters at the door. You see the ushers. You know, if your children go to, to uh, uh, children's church classes, they see the teacher. What you don't see is the people who work behind the scenes all week long. You don't see the people that are working in the office. You don't see them, but they're there working. Very important stuff. You don't see the people that are cleaning. You don't really don't see you really don't see Tom in the uh, uh, in the sound booth a whole lot. He's there. Hi, Tom. Very important part, but you don't really see him a whole lot because he's back there and you're looking up here. Or, you know, Heather and Jose over media and stuff like that. You know, you don't see them. And like, like Lawrence sitting back there on security, he's sitting back there doing his thing. But you don't really see him a whole lot because he's back there and we're up here. So there's a whole lot of stuff that, that does that make, does that make those people that you can't see any less important? In fact, well, think about this. The people that work in the office that pay the bills, you know, if you don't think that's important, there wouldn't be a church here next week, you know, or next month or whatever. You know, it'd be bye-bye. <laughs> so we have to, you know, somebody has to pay the bills. You have the business end of this whole thing that somebody has to do. Okay, now I want to share with you my very favorite followers, my very favorite story in the whole Bible. If you will uh, flip over to 1 Samuel 22. And like I said, I'm, I'm in the... Uh, I'm in the uh, uh, new, new um, what am I in? King, new King James Version, yeah. That's what I'm in. Okay, I love the story about David. If you want a good read, get yourself a New Living Bible or, or one of these uh, modern translations and, and sit down and start with 1 Samuel chapter 1 and just read till the end of 2 Samuel. It's just awesome. 
You know, uh, uh, the Lord called Saul to be king of Israel, to make a long story short. So, you know, God sent uh, Samuel the prophet to go find Saul, finds him, anoints him to be king over Israel, blah, blah, blah. He does a really good job, maybe the first battle or two, and then he decides he's going to do things his way. So, um, you know, the Lord wasn't happy with him. And so uh, the Lord pulled him from being king, but yet he still remained king for a while. You still see him when you're reading, he's still the king. The Lord anoints David, the shepherd boy, to be king. Now, David doesn't become king for a lot of years. He's a teenager when he's called. And, you know, he goes out and he kills Goliath and all this kind of stuff, which makes King Saul mad because then all the people in the town start saying, yes, you know, Saul is... Saul has killed, King Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. So it really ticked off King Saul because the people praised David more than they did him. So King Saul develops this severe hatred for David and he wants to kill him. So finally David flees to the cave of Adullam. He flees the whole scene because, you know, Saul's out to kill his, him. So in verse... Uh, um, Da, 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 da. 22, 1 and 2, it says this. So here's where David flees. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. So you get the picture? David's in a cave. His, brother, his family hears about it, so his family goes with him to the cave. They're shepherds. They're supposed to be out in the field guarding their sheep. You know, da, 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 da. But no, they left all that, and they're in the cave with him. Verse 2, and also everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to David. What a swell group of people. Doesn't say the college professors gathered to David. Doesn't say the pharmacists gathered to David or the medical doctors. It was all those who were in debt, distressed, and discontented. What a great group of people. They all followed David to the cave. So, but, this is what happened. David became the captain over them or the leader over them. And there were about 400 men with him. So, translated into church talk, David became their pastor kind of like. So he's got this whole group of 400 people. But what I like about this is that this group of people that were discontented distressed and in debt, went to the FBU classes and learned how to get out of debt and therefore, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> A little funny there. Yeah. No, they changed. It's just like when people come in here. I, I love it when I see somebody's life change before our eyes. I love it when somebody surrenders their heart, their life to Jesus and says, okay, Jesus, I've done this my way all these years. I'm just, just take me, Lord, do with me whatever you want to. I just give my life to you. Come into my heart. Just That's called being born again when you surrender everything to him. And then he's got something to work with because then he's got a heart that's agreeable. He's got a, he's got a person that wants to work for God that'll go anywhere and that'll do anything. And then God's got something to work with. So I love it when people come in here they give their heart to Jesus. They give their entire lives to Jesus. And then you watch what God does with them. Oh, my gosh. They go from being depressed 
They go from being discontent. They go from being in distress. They go from being in head over heels in debt. And all of a sudden, things start turning. You know, and then they become victorious Christian people. And then they come in here and they continue to grow. And then they go out into the lost and the dying world. And they bring the other discontented, in debt, distressed, depressed people. Come to my church. You'll love it there. Everybody will love you. You'll love it. Your life will change. So, you know, that's what we're supposed to do. Anyway, so he has these 400 folks, okay, plus his family. So, you know, some of your family members, you don't particularly want them moving in with you, you know what I mean? Some of them are okay, but some you don't particularly want moving in with you. So this is the group of folks that David has, okay? Now I'm going to flip over to 2 Kings uh, chapter 23, and I just want to show you what happened to these guys. This is so cool. They ended up being called David's mighty men. Some of them did. Not the whole 400. You know, they were followers and they did their part. But in verse in, in 2 Samuel 23, starting at verse 8, there were mighty men that came out of that group of folks. And so there were three top mighty men. So these are the name of the mighty men whom David had. Oh, we get to read these Old Testament names. Job, Josheb, Basineth, Beth, or whatever. He was the chief among the captains. So it ended up that some of these folks ended up being captains, but this guy was over the captains. I'm going to skip a few names. He had killed this guy. Listen to this. This guy killed 800 men at one time. 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 Get a picture of that. They didn't have rifles back then. They had those big swords they carried. You know, He killed 800 men at one time. After him was another mighty man, Eliezer. He was the son of the dodo guy. That's what it says. One of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines who had gathered there for a battle, and the men of Israel had retreated. So get this picture. You've got David. You've got Eliezer. They're fighting the Philistines. The rest of the Israelite guys, the army guys, they fled. They took off. AWOL. They went absent without leave. They left. Which left David and Eliezer fighting this army by themselves. So Eliezer arose and attacked the Philistine until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. Think about that. The Lord brought about, about a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only, only to the plunder. So whenever the, all the, the army was defeated, here come the rest of the folks. Oh, yeah, we'll come in here. We'll help you plunder all this stuff. They're picking up all the goods that were left behind. You know, Then they show up after the battle's won. After him, these are the three, mighty, these are the three top mighty men, and after him was Shammah, the Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. In other words, a bean field. Have you ever seen a bean field? Yes, you have. You've seen soybean fields. <laughs> I'll just tell you about soybeans. Soybeans grow about this high compared to corn, which goes like this. You have to be from the Midwest to know any of this stuff. But this was a bean field, so they're in a bean field. 
Okay? So the people fled from the Philistines. But he, Shammah, stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and you can't hide in a bean field either. Think about it, David. You can hide in a cornfield, right? Yeah, corn goes way up here. But when you're in a bean field and the beans are only this tall, you're standing there, how are you going to hide in a bean field? So here he is in the middle of a bean field. Okay? So the people fled from the Philistines, but he stationed himself in the middle of the bean field. He defended it and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Those are the top three mighty men. Then three of the 30 chief men, then he had 30 other guys that were pretty cool. And it ends up, I think he has 70. But it says in verse 13, Then three of the 30 chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Duel. And this key's still in the cave. And the troop, that must have been one big cave. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they camped outside the cave, who knows. And the troop of Philistines encamped in the valley of Repna, whatever. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, now listen, I'm talking about servants. David said with longing, probably just said it to himself, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines. You get this picture? Drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it, came back through the Philistine camp and brought the water to David. Nevertheless, David wouldn't drink it. But he poured it out to the Lord and he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things were done by the three mighty men. Now, the question is, were they anointed followers of David? Yes, they were. They were anointed followers of David. So it's up to us to be anointed followers. And it's really a hard issue. It's really a hard issue. You can go to the Lord and you can say, Father, I want to be an anointed follower. I want to be an anointed servant. I want to be an anointed person in the ministry of helps team. Because it's the followers that make the vision and the leaders go. You understand that picture that I've tried to paint? I hope I painted it to you so that you understood it. That was my intent. Was to, so, so you're not called to be a leader? So what? Don't beat yourself over the head if you're not called to be a leader. You be the best follower ever. Okay? And maybe you will be a... Well, we have a class on Thursday nights, the third Thursday night of every month, called Servant Leaders. So some people, will, they'll, they're serving. Maybe they'll raise up and become leaders. You know, think about Cassie uh, and Desiree when they first came here, you know. <laughs> I love to tell their story. I won't tell your story, Jess, and I won't ask you because it takes a while. And it's already 8 o'clock, so i got to shut up. But when they came here, they had been homeless. They had been in debt, distressed, discontented, and on and on it went, right? You and your little family. But they came in here. They gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Now he's, 
He's studying for management at Home Depot. He just climbed right up that ladder. He's on our staff here. You know, I mean, so he's a big servant, though. You need something, you know, Jesse will help you out. But he's also a leader. But, you know, you understand what I'm saying, where I'm going with this thing? You need to be happy with what God called you to be. You need to find out what God called you to be if you don't know. And you need to accept that call and you need to be happy in that call. Everybody got that? Okay. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.